goes. Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study through the entire Bible, that's what we're doing. And uh, we're working through a chapter at a time. We have worked through the New Testament together, and that took us almost six years, five and a half, six years, and we've been working in the Old Testament now for a little over two years, and we've done Genesis, and we've done Exodus, and we find ourselves in the book of Leviticus. And we're going to look at chapter 4 today, and when we, when we started this, I told you very honestly, when I, when I started to look at Leviticus, what I really wanted to do was just kind of summarize it for you in a week and then move along. Um, because it's, it's, a, it's a tough book. But um, Leviticus is quoted a hundred times in the New Testament. So it's like, no, I guess they thought it was important. <laughs> Who am I? So we're going to plug through it. But um, here's how Leviticus is a fascinating, fascinating book if you're thinking all the time about how all these things are pointing to Jesus. And, and that, you know, Jesus as our high priest replaced the Levitical system. But most of what's happening here in Leviticus, you know, which is written how the Levites were supposed to take care of things as the established priesthood of the day, was all pointing to what Messiah was going to do when he came, what Jesus was going to do, a perfect once and for all sin we studied about in the book of Hebrews. So um, because some of you were with me when we did Hebrews, that is a great sort of thing that sort of helps us to um, understand kind of where Leviticus is coming from. But, uh, but for those of you, you know, just starting with or something, bear with it. it you know, it's, it's a big, big book, and uh, there's some awesome stuff happening. Um, today is, is uh, well, it's something that impacts us all. Chapter 4 is all about sin. Yay. Something you're all acquainted with, intimately, but still, it's a, it's a very interesting sort of topic, and how they dealt with sin, what, what it looked like, and what the problem is, and um, remember in Leviticus, the, the, the whole thing starts off with some major offerings that were taking place, and we've already looked at a few of them, so an Old Testament believer um, was, was reconciled to God through the atoning sacrifice of the burnt offering, and then after that, he immediately got thankful and gave thanks and, um, and dedicated his life to God. And we looked at that, and that was the grain offering. And then he was living in peace with God and experiencing the peace of God. Um, and, and that was sort of remembered with the fellowship or, or the, the peace offering. Um, but, but now as the, the Old Testament believers sort of continued their day-to-day -day walk, they experience just what we experience, a constant barrage of trials and temptations. Things haven't changed uh, in the thousands of years they've been going on. And um, the Old Testament believer became more and more aware of being short of the glory of God, um, more and more sensitive to the fact that they were disobeying the commandments of God. And um, we assume they, they sensed, as we did, this, this deep-seated need for special encounters with God and for times of seeking the forgiveness of sin. And, and God knew this and, and so made provision for this to happen in Leviticus with the sin offering. 
Um, now, when we read the things that they had to go through in the Old Testament, ultimately what it should make you do is appreciate how amazing Jesus is and what he's done for us in his once and for all final offering for sin, the sacrifice for sin, the, the ransom for sin, everything that he took care of at the cross. Um, because when you read about what used to have to happen and what happens, you know, what's happened in our behalf, it, it, there should just be an amazing and constant thankfulness for what Jesus has done, that we never take it lightly, we never push things away. But uh, uh, there was this provision made there in Leviticus for people as they recognized their sin and began to deal with it. So, you know, you know so I, I think the question would be, what is sin? And, and sin, two ways to look at it, it's the condition or the state uh, or being of imperfection. It's coming short of the glory of God, of His perfection. So that's what sin is. We fall short of the glory of God. And so that's something you can also... Sin is a, a condition, in one sense, is also disobedience. It's disobeying um, the, uh, the, the commandments of God, if you would, the, the way that He would call us to live. And, and there are sins of omission where a person just fails to do what God says, that's sin, and then sins of commission, where we do something that He tells us not to do. And, and so that, that pretty much covers everything. <laughs> and uh, the reality is that all of us stand before God as sinners. Uh, and, and so we're all in this state or condition of sin, and we're all guilty of having broken uh, either by omission or commission, the commandments of God. And, and what that has done is that our sin has separated us from the presence of God. That's the big issue that, that we have. And they had it as well. Um, sin separates us from God. And, and I always want to go back to my, my uh, whenever I talk about this, my hand motions. I know you know them, but God is perfect, and sin separates us from Him, and we're not, and it's that big gap that's there that's the issue. Because we can't get back to it in our own strength. We can't. We'll never be good enough in our own strength. We'll never work hard enough. We'll never uh, have the checks and balances work out where a lot of people think, well, if I just do more good than bad, that's going to make it work. Nah, see, once you've sinned, you're no longer perfect. And he is. And that's the issue. Uh, and, and people would like to go, well, there's got to be something else. That's the problem. And, and so since we can't fix it, God does. And the way he ultimately fixes it is that he comes. Perfect God, holy God, perfect, you know, fully God, fully man, he comes as Christ. We know that, uh, you know, and we celebrate that at Christmas. We celebrate it all the time, but that's the Christmas story. He came in an amazing, miraculous way, and lived an amazing, miraculous, sinless life, which then, some 30-odd years later, he willingly, um, and that's where the Easter story comes in, he willingly takes his perfect, sinless life and goes to the cross and, and exchanges his life for ours and covers our sin forever with his blood. Uh, he dies. He defeats death. And he rises again, and that's where I like the other picture. And now what happens is in Christ, for all those who believe in Christ, who, who call upon his name, uh, God now chooses to see us in the perfection of his Son. So even though we're still imperfect, he has made a way for us to be reconciled once again. And that's the whole deal that we have in Christ. 
Now in the Old Testament, before Christ came, they would get a picture of that in the form of bringing a sacrifice. That, that was a, an atonement uh, or the sin offering for the process. But it was always pointing to what Jesus would do. Because people say sometimes, well, what did people do before Jesus? What they, what they did was a sacrifice that was pointing to Jesus who would ultimately pay for all sin for all time. So when Jesus goes to the cross and pays for all sin, he does it for all time this way and that way on the timeline, okay? He covers it. And, and, and it still, it, it covers it for everybody who believed in the fact that he would cover it in faith. And so um, this is a big deal, and it's important that it's brought up here in Leviticus. It's a big deal for us to understand our need for Christ, and that, that this is the issue. This is why people need Jesus. This is why it's uh, on, on us to tell people that apart from this reconciliation that Jesus makes available, people are separated from God and they're not good enough in their own strength. They're not going to make it. And so, you know, as the church, then we're looking for ways to preach that gospel message, uh, but we need ways to share it that people can take it in because culturally they, they want to push us away and mute us. And if we're not careful, if we don't present it uh, under the anointing and the unction of the Holy Spirit, it comes off as critical and judgmental and they just dismiss us completely. And we're, so we're talking about that on Sundays right now, how, how we're supposed to be living invitations, that we're to live this thing in such a way, not in a fake way, not in a pretend way, not acting like we have it all together, but, but in a way where the love of God begins to flow from us and impact people around us so that they're drawn to what's taking place because there's something different in that whole process. So that's what's happening here in... Um, in Leviticus. So as I start to read, and you start reading about the animals they were bringing to sacrifice, um, the animal stood as a symbol of what Jesus would do. Uh, and, and in fact, you know, so symbols are important. Jesus Christ ultimately, you know, was the Lamb of God who was to take away the sin of the world in John 1.29. So the, the symbols begin to fall into place. And, uh, and so, so God counted the animal as a picture of Christ. So that's what happens. Now, is it, in the same way that he chooses to see us in the perfection of his son, that was going on until Jesus came. And that made him acceptable at the time. But see, Jesus was once and for all. See, they had to wait for certain times, and there was a day of atonement every year, and then there was other things that they could get to, but it was a big deal. With us, we're fortunate because... I don't know about you, but I like to keep short accounts with God, and so I, I can... I can whip up some kin, <laughs> sin to confess, you know, like pretty much all the time. Um, and, and we need to, right? I mean, that's, that's how it's supposed to work. We need to be more that, oh, I, I had this, you know, or that thought happened, or I didn't want to be that way, or I was sarcastic, or I, I wouldn't let that guy merge when he should have. And maybe that's not a huge sin, but I could have done better. <laughs> or I could have not had the thought that I just had about that person when they, you know what I mean? I'm only thinking that because it happened bad earlier in the day. Never mind. I failed. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, so let's look at Leviticus. 35 verses in chapter 4. Let me tell you that chapter 5, the first 13 verses are also part of the sin offering, but they're not in your notes, and I'm going to cover them briefly. And then we're going to next week talk about the guilt offering, which is the second part of chapter 5. And the two are kind of related, but guilt, well, we'll talk about that next week.
because I could just launch on that right now. Leviticus 4, beginning in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, When anyone sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, he must bring to the Lord a young bull without defect as a sin offering for the sin he has committed. He is to present the bull at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. He is to lay his hand on his head and slaughter it before the Lord. Then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood carry it into the tent of meeting. He's to dip his finger into the blood and sprinkle some of it seven times before the Lord in front of the curtain of the sanctuary. The priest shall then put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense that is before the Lord in the tent of meeting. The rest of the bull's blood he shall pour out on, at the base of the altar of the burnt offering at the, tent, uh, at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He shall remove all the fat from the bull of the sin offering. The fat that covers the inner parts uh, or is connected to them, both kidneys with the fat on them near the loins and the covering of the liver, which he will remove with the kidneys. Just as the fat is removed from the ox, sacrifice is a fellowship offering. Then the priest shall burn them on the altar, burn offering. But the hide of the bull and all its flesh, as well as the head and the legs, the inner parts and offal, uh, that is all the rest of the bull, he must take outside the camp to a place ceremonial clean where the ashes are thrown and burn it in a wood fire on the ash heap. If the whole Israelite community sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, even though the community is unaware of the matter, they're guilty. When they become aware of the sin they committed, the assembly must bring a young bull as a sin offering, present it before the tent of meeting. The elders of the community lay their hands on the bull's head before the Lord, and the bull shall be slaughtered before the Lord. Then the anointed priest is to take some of the bull's blood in the tent of meeting. He should dip his finger in his blood, sprinkle it before the Lord seven times in front of the curtain. He's to put some of the blood on the horns of the altar that's before the Lord in the tent of meeting. The rest of the blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar burnt offering at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He shall remove all the fat from it and burn it on the altar. And to do with this bull just as he did with the bull for the sin offering, in this way the priest will make atonement for them and they'll be forgiven. Then he shall take the bull outside the camp and burn it as he burned the first bull. This is the sin offering for the community. When a leader sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the commands of the Lord his God, he's guilty. When he is made aware of the sin he committed, he must bring uh, as his offering a male goat without defect. He is to lay his hand on the goat's head and slaughter it at the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered before the Lord. It's a sin offering. Then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar burnt offering and pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. He shall burn all the fat on the altar as he burned the fat of the fellowship offering in this way, the priest will make atonement for the man's sin, and he'll be forgiven. If a member of the community sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, he's guilty. When he's made aware of the sin he committed, he must bring as his offering for the sin he committed a female goat without defect. He is to lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest is to take some of the blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar burnt offering and pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all the fat, just as the fat is removed from the fellowship offering. And the priest shall burn it on the altar as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. In this way, the priest will make atonement for him, and he'll be forgiven. If he brings a lamb as his sin offering, he is to bring a female without defect. He's to lay his head on, uh, hand on his head, slaughter it for sin offering at the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered. Then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar, burnt offering, and pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar to remove all the fat, just as the fat is removed from the lamb of the fellowship offering. And the priest shall burn it on the altar, 
on top of the offerings made to the Lord by fire. In this way, the priest will make atonement for him for the sin he has committed, and he will be forgiven. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So like I said, Leviticus chapter 4, not always the easiest chapter to jump in. <laughs> Welcome to the vineyard. <laughs> so, first couple of verses. Um, how can a person secure forgiveness of sin, uh, a sense of sort of unbroken forgiveness, uh, a forgiveness, you know, like a constant forgiveness of sin. Now, we have it now in Christ. And, and so, like I said, we can keep short accounts with Him. But um, there is something that's essential to that is um, we, we have to acknowledge that He's God and, and that we have a need for forgiveness, that, that we have issues that, that you know, we, we get off, you know, doing our own thing and going our own way. And also, something to note in Leviticus 4.1, that it's the Lord God Himself who's giving these instructions. And so He is the one who has made the way possible to be forgiven. Uh, people are always looking for something different, or for other options, or there should be other ways, or there should be lots of different ways, but um, He alone can save us and redeem us and deliver us from our sin and from the, you know, the judgment that all sin has coming upon it. And so um, it's, it's God who's made a way and God who is um, the one who says what that way looks like. We know that that's through Christ now. Uh, but other people don't acknowledge that, that He's God uh, uh, and yet. And, um, and, and some people sort of deny the existence of sin. They, they, that there's people out there that don't, don't believe in that there is sin. That it's just you do whatever you want to do, and it doesn't make any difference. And there's only sort of a, a vague moral conscience, perhaps, that some people think that uh, if people are left to their own devices apart from the book, they, it gets messy quick, in, even in the Old Testament. You know, it, there was a time, and it was a fearful time, and the Bible actually says each man did what was right in his own eyes. It was not good because everybody's so different in what they think was right. There wasn't a moral standard that we have in the Scripture. So, uh, um, and, and, you know, the, the sins that they're talking about uh, are, because it said, well, they happened unintentionally. You know, it's, there's, there's a, the, the sin that can't be forgiven is, is the complete denial that God exists and that He can forgive sin. I mean, that's, that's what happens. That's where people get stuck, is, is not coming to Jesus for the process. That's, people go, what, what's that? It's, that's the ultimate issue, is not believing that there's a God who can indeed reconcile us and fix us. Romans six twenty three says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So, uh, um, a person has to seek forgiveness for sin, and that was the deal. And uh, sin can be forgiven except for, like I said, rejecting God's process for allowing it to happen. That's, that's what happens. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Um, and so He's the one that makes it possible. And the reason that we need to seek forgiveness, it says it in Leviticus 4, 2, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Paul says in Romans 3.23, all of sin comes short of the glory of God. 1 John 1.8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So, 
that's the big sin issue. In verses 3 through 12, and then it kind of continues on from here, it starts talking about a different um, people and their relationship to God and how they're to uh, deal with the sin offering. You'll notice that they're very similar. Um, just depends on what they're doing and what the position is. The first one is about the anointed priest, which was, you know, in effect, the high priest that was uh, um, in, in, in place then. And so if he got off track, it was a significant, significant because it affected everybody. And so um, he had four clear things he had to do. He had to confess the truth uh, and what, what that looked like and, and that he, in fact, had messed up and that he was a sinner uh, in the process and um, it was such a big deal. Why it's listed first is he could take the entire community astray if he if he got out of line. And then the priest would approach God through the sacrifice of a young bull without defect. And um, no, there's no forgiveness without sacrifice. So we're forgiven now because of a tremendous sacrifice. You need to always be aware of that. And the sacrifice then was a symbol of Jesus. And uh, the, the bull without defect was a symbol of the sinlessness and perfection of Christ. And then the priest would observe the principles of atonement or reconciliation. And, and so um, the, the, the sacrifice was presented to the Lord. He would offer it up. And listen, these, this is how these four things are important. It would be done in his behalf, in his stead, in his place, and as a substitute for him. And so, um, you know, he would identify with the substitute by laying his hand on, on the head of the animal. Um, and then he would actually put the substitute to death, the sacrifice to death. And, and those things clearly symbolize Jesus. Jesus died as our substitute. He died in our behalf, in our stead, in our place. He died for us. The only way any of us can be forgiven, but, but no matter who we are is to present ourselves uh, to God in the substitute sacrifice, which is in Christ. Uh, he's the only, ex Christ, uh, only sacrifice acceptable to God. And so the high priest would go through that process. If it was the community that had gotten off track, um, and, and uh, they would, as a group, need to be forgiven. And, and re by this time now, we're up to two or three million Israelites. Remember, we came out of... We went into uh, uh, Egypt as a family of 70, and we came out as a couple of million, and they've been producing already, and so they're growing and growing. And so sometimes the entire nation would get off track, and so um, when they were made aware of it, the, the people would confess their truth. And that you're going to see this when we get to the book of Judges. You'll see the people as a community go through this thing called the sin cycle where they repent, and get back on track, and then they fall off again, and then they repent and get back on track. But uh, all those things happen. They would approach God through the sacrifice with a young bull, um, and this whole thing would happen. Again, the process of atonement, the principles of atonement, and the priest would, would take the, the sacrifice, and in the process uh, of everything, they would be forgiven and um, cleansed. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Heal their land. So that Second Chronicles verse that many of you have heard uh, is, a, uh, is a cry, uh, is a picture of the entire community repenting of their error 
as it had happened. Israel would err a lot. They kept being dragged off to false gods and just big, big mess. 22 through 26 is about a leader uh, in the community, so not the, the priesthood, which were priesthoods, the, the actual leaders of the community. Um, they would also, if they got off track, they would. it was a big deal that they repented, as leaders should. And they went through the, the same process, and, and they had to go through uh, the same sort of thing with an animal, with the priest involved, and with the atonement and the sacrifice, everything taking place. Same thing in the process. And, uh, and then 27 through 35 was an individual, and uh, a, a person could come, and, you know, when they were aware of their sin, and they would go through a very similar process with a goat or with a lamb, um, and th they would move through the same thing. Uh, and in chapter 5, I know I didn't read it, but, but I'm, I'm going to not read it next week, uh, or if I do, we'll have talked about it already. Uh, in the beginning of verse 5, those first verses are about a person um, getting forgiveness if they sinned in some terrible way. It's kind of how it makes it happen, although all sin is terrible. But uh, they would go through a similar process, and, and um, you know, th those things included social, civil injustice, not standing up for the truth when they should, religious defilement, you know, touching or doing things that defile the person, uh, personal defilement, uh, um, um, Verbal sort of defilement was, was picked up in Leviticus 5. And, um, and so they would go through a process where they would confess their sin, again, specifically with God. And then they would come with a lamb or with a goat. Uh, and, um, and then it goes on and says uh, also if they couldn't afford that, there was, there was a provision for people that didn't have resource, which is really a good thing. And they could come with uh, two doves or two pigeons. And the idea was either they could manage to afford those things or they could cap catch them. So, uh, because, you know, you could, you could run through your herd pretty quick. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> how, many, how many of those goats we got? <laughs> so, uh, and so the same thing would happen. They, they would come and make these sacrifices. Now, all of these sacrifices, so I just, just so we get back to it. So I know that's a messy, and it's, it's so horrible and nasty and messy and bloody. And, you know, sometimes I try and think about, you know, the, 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 just a, uh, and yet it's, it's, you know, because of what Jesus has done, we don't have to deal with that. But, but Jesus going through that was just like that. And, and that's what we remember, the lengths that he went to so that we can have life in him. We never want to take that for granted. We never want to see that, you know, um, because we can just go and ask for forgiveness, well, then I can just do whatever I want. You know, does that, you know, Paul even had that, well, if sin abounds, is grace not much more abound? And so doesn't mean I should just go and sin because I can get on a more grace. And, and we never want to take for granted what happened at the cross and never take it lightly. And, and when, we, when we hold that in context, that we never take sin lightly. Can't. Um, and, and so, and yet, you know, I, I talk about short accounts. I want to make sure that, that I'm um, bringing that to God. And so, last thought. So we, we confess our sin, the Bible says, and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why, why is it important, that part? And that, that word confess 
is a fascinating word in the New Testament. It's a Greek compound word, homo logeo, which means same word. Confess means same word. So in effect, when you're, when you're going to God and you're dealing with your sin, it means you're aware of it and you're agreeing with God that His way is right and your way is wrong. And that, that so you're not, people think, well, confession, this means, oh, I'm sorry, and, and then no change. It doesn't. It means, God, you're right, I'm wrong. Help me, Lord, by your spirit to stop doing that. And, and then he does, and he will. Um, it, it, you know, but we, it may, we can be set by sin for a season. You know, we can, it, it might be something that we work on over time, but we never give up. And, and so we, because that's, that's when the mess happens, when, when there's a sin that besets you and you just give up on it. You don't. You just keep going to God and you go back and you confess. Well, I've confessed it, uh, you know, a thousand times. I don't care. Maybe on a thousand one, you'll get what you need to step through it. And you go back and you, you, you say, God, you're right, I'm wrong. It keeps us from, we don't have to go to guilt or shame. We'll talk about that. It just means we're, in, we're working on this issue. And that he will empower us to overcome it. That's what he does. And we can begin to choose. That's what we've been set free from. We can choose to do the right thing. Before Christ, you, you, you had no shot. Anyway, so when we talk about that, why it's so important that we recognize sin is, is that it helps us to move through it and past it in our lives. So, you know, my hope would be that you're, you're working on different things now than you were 10 years ago, or 5 years ago, um, or 20 years ago. You know, that, that, you know, depending on how long you've walked in, or 6 months ago, or whatever. Um, because we keep going, and He loves us, and we know He loves us, so we don't get hung up in the guilt and shame. But he empowers us, and we, we keep going back with, I, your way's right, my way's wrong. And there's something in that that, that helps us yield to the Spirit to begin to overcome those issues. Anyway, that's enough about sin. That was a lot of sin talk. <laughs> if you're watching my video, I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> Come and visit us when you can. We'd love to see if you need prayer. Go to the website, and we will pray for you. But uh, we're going to call it an evening on the video.